1: Hello,
2: hello, hello, and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise podcast, part of the Fan Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to celebrate another victory... That's number 12 in the season for those of you keeping track at home. Uh, is a fellow contributor at NinerNoise.com, Mr. Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing today? Not too bad. That's like three or four seasons worth so far this year. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'm enjoying
3: it. Enjoying the excitement to an extent. <laughs> <laughs> but when we end a game
2: like that with a win, it's a lot better than a loss. So For sure. For all sure. in all, I really can't complain. Yeah, I was um, out celebrating my brother-in-law's birthday, and I just told my family, I was like, I don't care where we go, as so long as they have a television that can show the football game and they were like, all right, that's cool. And then the first place we went, they had that Chive Network online television these bars have. Yeah. Um, and so I, I watched the first quarter on my father-in-law's phone, <laughs> and then we moved over to another place, and I ignored the rest of my family for the whole time. So that was fun. <laughs> Here comes the divorce. But yeah, another nail-biter victory on uh, Saturday night. I, I was going to say Sunday, but yeah, that would have been incorrect. Beat the division foes from Los Angeles 34-31. Quite a game. They they fell behind 21-10 to in the middle of the second quarter. The Rams really were in control of the game uh, for the whole first quarter and, and into the, the second quarter. And then suddenly um, Kyle Shanahan kind of pulled himself out of whatever doldrums he was in to start the game. And they had a really nice drive to cut the lead to 2117 uh, Rams got the ball back. I think with two or three minutes left to go in the first half and they're starting to look like, Oh great. They're going to go down the field. And then uh, uh, Fred Warner happened. <laughs> Fred Warner, uh, Took advantage of a really awful decision by Jared Goff. I'm not really sure what Goff was thinking because Warner had the route pretty well covered and all he had to do was sort of, he kind of tipped the ball to himself and he took it to the house, uh, scored his first NFL touchdown, uh, ended up giving the 49ers a 24 21 halftime lead. I believe they said that the 35 points scored uh, combined in the second quarter were the most by any in one quarter. This season, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been even more uh, drastic than that, but it definitely was for this season. The second half wasn't as exciting in terms of scoring, but it was pretty back and forth. Uh, the Rams took the lead 28 uh, 24 with a uh, touchdown in the third quarter. Niners took the lead again 31 28 with a uh, just absolute great play by Garoppolo to, to scramble around and find uh, our good friend George Kittle for a touchdown. Rams tied the game uh, as the 49ers defense stepped up uh, late in the game. And then um, through some sort of miraculous offensive uh, <laughs> plays that I'm still like, how did that really happen? Uh, the 49ers went down, got a last second field goal. And uh, Robbie Gold is the, the game winner again. I think the reverse jinx worked one more time as we talked <laughs> badly about him last week for the Falcons game. But uh, he, he managed to pull it out again in the end. Um, I I gotta say it's, it's really starting to hurt my heart. I think I might be getting a little too old to watch these, these games that are going down to the wire and that are, um, kind of difficult to watch at times, but, uh, it's nice to get the win this time around, as opposed to last week where we had a similar kind of game and didn't get the win. Um, so hopefully we're trending upwards at this particular point. Uh, Chris, any overall thoughts about the game? From yeah, Saturday.
3: I feel like it was the second game in a row where I just watched the game and I was angry the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it should not be going this way. And it, like you said, the corner interception was very, very key. And I think I tweeted out at the time that this could be the defining moment in the 49ers season because they're losing 21 to 17. 17? Yeah, I believe. Yeah. And you know, the Rams are driving down the field. Looks like they're going to score 10 and a half. United do get the ball to start off the second half for like two plays before they threw a pick.
2: Uh-uh.
3: They're going to be going by two scores, And then within a couple of seconds and a silly throw by golf, who just, I guess he probably just didn't see that Warner was there and misread the coverage. And he was like, Ooh, dump off. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, whoops. There's a guy out there in the flat for the other team. He's taken for six. (laughs) So it definitely was a a momentum switching play in the game for sure. And especially if the Niners could have come out and scored a touchdown on their opening drive, it it really could have put the ramps away. Yeah. But the Niners had other plans there. They wanted to make it
2: interesting for all the viewers, I guess, (laughs) as they tend to do all season long. Yeah. Well, like the the 15th. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo tip interception of the season. It feels like more than half of his interceptions have come
3: that way. It really is crazy. It's not like his passes are like way, way off. I mean, sometimes they are, but a lot of the time it's just sort of tipped up in the air. And then was that the one, or was the previous one that Bourne's like, hey, you know what I'll do? I'll just tip this up even farther.
2: Make sure that one of the Rams defenders can pick it off. This was the one because the first interception was bad. The first one that he threw was was a bad read that he made. Yeah, that's right. And he threw it, I believe, right to right to the player. But the second one was the one where you're like, "Come on, guys! Like somebody just put just knock like George Kittle should open a a receiver defensive back camp for the interception that he saved last week because the rest of the wide receivers need need a little bit of a schooling in what to do if you're not going to catch the ball just knocking on the ground so that no one else would catch the ball for the love.
3: Yeah, and it boarded the exact opposite and just knocked it straight up in the air. It said the first one was the one where Ramsey sort of... Yeah, he baited him. Yeah, he he baited him, but didn't work out so well
2: for him the last I did it? <laughs> so, a little bit of payback there. R.I.P. Taylor Rap because <laughs> Jalen Ramsey has ended your life. <laughs> and then they just
3: throw your linebacker slash safety rookie under the bus yeah. because you take no
2: responsibility for anything. Yeah. And and this is why teams don't like him for sure on his team <laughs> even though he's amazing. Yeah, we're really going to enjoy when they when they paid their two first round picks for a rental when he goes somewhere else <laughs> in <the end laughs> off season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Hopefully he can do as much damage as possible in the meantime, right? Yeah, I think he will. Yeah. He's going to run through the whole through the whole league by the time he's done.
3: The play by Warner was also significant because you knew that Solid was going to change the defensive scheme that was working not at all in the first half but apparently he's only allowed to do that at halftime so right. someone should tell him that he can just change it like during the game <laughs> and not only at halftime so we knew that the Niners would come out and rebound in the second half Yeah, and, and they did unfortunately their offense didn't <laughs> which made it come down to a, a fourth quarter comeback Yeah, to seal off the win but I went from really feeling bad like the Niners are not going to have a home playoff game to okay they're going to have a serious shot at a first round bye in, yeah. in the entire playoffs on the NFC side, uh, coming through Levi's Stadium. So. And of course, it didn't matter anyway. Right, because <laughs> the, the Seahawks laid an egg on Sunday. They're like, ah, yeah, we'll lose. We'll look even worse than you guys did. So, Yeah, of course. Yeah, it, all in all, it was definitely, for me, one of the most significant plays in the game. And I guess you, you would have to say that you know, those two plays in the final drive are, quote unquote, more important. But it could
2: be the defining moment in the 49ers season. But we'll know in a couple of weeks. Right, yeah, absolutely. I mean I think there's an argument to be made that even if they managed to hold the Rams to a field goal on that drive instead of scoring themselves, based on the way the second half went, going down by a touchdown going into the half as opposed to being up by four or by three going into the halftime would've have, would have been a major difference, I think, considering what happened to the offense as they sputtered a little bit to start the the second half too. So That's one kind of way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm trying to be kind, but anyway, um, so let's go ahead and uh, move on to uh, the one up, one down for this week. Um, so I was gonna go with our good buddy George Kittle uh, again because you know he was played a very efficient. It's not, it wasn't quite the dominating game that he had last week in terms of his overall numbers. Significantly fewer catchers, fewer yards. He did have a touchdown, the the sort of go ahead touchdown that looked like it might seal the game towards the end. Um, on what was also a a good individual play by, by Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but we all know how great George Kittle is. And we could talk about him, how great he is every week, regardless of what he's doing. And, uh, we'll probably talk about him in more detail when we get into the Seattle game in a little bit, but I'm going to give mine to Warner as we talked about him already. Uh, not a lot of other details to mention. Um, I think he's quietly been having a really good season. Not a lot of people have been paying attention to him. My hope is that, uh, this was a, a big old coming out party for him in terms of national television and people paying attention. And he you know made a big splash play because really he's been effectively doing um, good things throughout the season, but not a lot of it has been the, he hasn't made a lot of noise in terms of like, you know, turnovers or scoring touchdowns or anything like that. And he was finally able to do that, which I think was great. Um, And of course, you know, Niner fans have known how good he's been all year um, or through much of the season, you know, hasn't been perfect, but he's been playing pretty well uh, throughout the year. Um, And I think he made... As you said, definitely one of the most important plays of the game, maybe one of the most important plays of the 49ers season so far. Um, So I think that's really important. Um, Finished the game, 11 total tackles, including a shared tackle for loss. That's according to ESPN's numbers. And then the uh, pick six that we have noted already. Uh, He was also the 49ers highest graded defensive player. According to PFF, I think he might have been their highest graded overall player. Um, If I'm not mistaken, because I think they're if I want if I'm not mistaken, I think their highest technical highest graded offensive player had like one snap. Um, I think it was Ross Dwelly on this one. Yes, it was. It was Dwelly. It was which is a a big boy catch. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, uh, (laughs) it it was a great, a great play. But to have like three total snaps and and only one of them where you actually did anything. And um, so I think he was the highest graded offensive player. You know, Kittle was right there in the technical sense, but there you go. Uh, Warner's grade 91.5 overall, 83.4 in run defense, uh, and a 90.3 in coverage. Of course, boosted heavily by the interception and the touchdown. Um, I, I mean, I just think that he, here um, in his uh, his second season, he just looks really comfortable out there um, as being the... the the man um, who's who's running the, the defense, calling the, the defensive alignments and all that kind of stuff, he really seems to be in control. I think it would have been really, really fun to see him um, out there with Quan Alexander throughout this season as opposed to uh, – Dre Greenlaw, who has definitely looked the part of a rookie um, through most of his rookie season. Um, And I think it it, it will be really awesome uh, to get both Alexander and Warner up next uh, year. But uh, he played a great game and uh, certainly had the play of the game, or at least one of the plays of the game, uh, to help save this victory for the 49ers on Saturday.
3: Yeah, Warner has definitely stepped up and become one of the leaders of the defense. I guess Alexander is sort of the... uh, The rah-rah, leader of the D, and with him going down, I thought that there would be a a much more significant drop-off. And, I mean, there has been a very significant drop-off. don't get me wrong, but Warner's definitely taken that that leadership role that you rarely see from such a young player and probably has a lot to do with him being a smart guy and being really good at football and and I I almost physically ran into him at the 49ers (laughs) hotel before a game and totally like, I didn't know, I was like, whoa, you were a lot bigger in person. (laughs) I mean, he's a big dude. Being sort of like an overhang linebacker safety in in college, I I didn't think that he was going to have the size to be a middle linebacker, but man, I I would Not want to mess with that guy. I'm telling you what, he's definitely turned into a a Pro Bowl caliber talent in his second year in the league. And yeah, I mean he does make mistakes and he has room for improvement, and that's a good thing because if he gets better, then the Niners get better. But hopefully, he will be
2: in the center of the Forty Nine ers defense for many years to come. For sure. I just want to know how he gets all that hair inside of his helmet. That's really the only thing. The man does have a lot of hair. Because his hair is very tall, like his hair is super tall. And so I'm just wondering.
3: I think his secret is I like, guess he doesn't know that the band or whatever that puts it straight up when oh, he's not playing. Maybe so it just all just kinda of drapes down. Yeah, so it lets it down and then just then jam packs it all
2: in there. <laughs> maybe extra protection for concussions too. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. Alright, uh Chris did you have a, an up to share with us for this week? Actually, not really.
3: I don't really have a (laughs) major up. And usually that means that I'll talk about 18 ups for like 10 minutes each, but I'm not going to do that. Overall, I thought it was a good team effort. Not for every one of the 49ers position groups or players, for sure. But most of the team played good or well. (laughs) Yeah, depending on your English. (laughs) The defensive line, they held the Rams to three yards of carry on the ground, which is pretty good. Yeah, And then Niners... Running backs averaged six yards a carry, which is twice as good. So you know, that, that's definitely a positive. Kittle w- was Kittle as he always is. <laughs> I, I thought the perhaps the best part of him on that touchdown catch was the fact that you know, as they kept repeating over and over that he was double covered on the play, but. He wasn't just double-covered, like, two guys covering him. He was double-covered,
2: like, two guys trying to grab him the entire time. I, uh, yeah, I think Littleton had a hold of him for pretty much the first, like, two or three seconds of the play.
3: I don't think it was a route as much as he was just, like, playing in his backyard and two guys were trying to <laughs> tackle him, like, while he was running a route. <laughs> and it was happening, like, throughout the game. And, and that's that's one thing that it does upset me about the Niners, that they don't take advantage of the way that the reps are calling the game because the refs were allowing any kind of defensive holding you wanted to do. I mean, it should have been like Christmas for Sherman. I mean, he he should have just been holding his man like up and down the field. But every time that they, uh, they showed a replay and they paused it, you'd see somebody downfield who's just you know, tackled pretty much. And they're like, Oh, no wonder grappler doesn't have anybody to throw the ball too. So kill definitely did a great job of, uh, of avoiding all of the tacklers on the way to catching the ball in the end zone for the touchdown. <laughs> so that was a, uh, another big boy catch and not quite the, the hit that Dwelly got, but man, I mean, I, I was not expecting Dwelley to catch that ball. That was uh, quite the play by the youngster. So major props to him. I thought Debo played well, especially in the running game. Yeah they're definitely making him into a player who can run the ball, catch the ball, and he can do both well. And, you know, a couple of times when he was running the ball, I thought it was actually running back out there. And I was like, oh. Yeah, he looks like Tevin Coleman running. Yeah. yeah a yeah, little yeah, bit. He really Because, again, yeah, I guess maybe the uh, the upright running style that mm-hmm. Coleman should probably fix. Um, but yeah, the wide receiver does it as well. And uh, I feel like Debo runs people over better than Coleman does sometimes. And has a little more patience. <laughs> but, Again, that could be a whole the podcast. And then, of course, Jimmy didn't play very well throughout the game, at least stat wise. Took too many sacks, although he was pretty good on his yards per attempt. He was sort of below where he normally is in completion percentage. Six sacks, way too much. Yep. I looked at some of the all 22, some his faults, some not. And one thing I had noticed over the entire season is when he doesn't have the time that he needs, then he starts being a little bit jumpy in the pocket and that either leads to you know him throwing balls before he should or throwing balls not as accurately as they should be or him just holding onto the ball, making sure that he does not fumble and getting sacked when he shouldn't get sacked. So I think it's important for him. He needs to have a certain level of confidence in his offensive line and he did not have that on Saturday night. So the 49ers need to be able to block for him better which is obvious you know again great analysis there yeah (laughs) but especially for him because he definitely gets jumpy in the pocket sort of like a, a younger quarterback would whereas when he gets in a groove he's unstoppable but if he's worried about is somebody about to hit me is you know am i gonna lose the ball he just plays a little bit differently and you could tell in that final drive he was getting sacked like over and over and then you know third down he's it's like, uh, ah, I don't care. You know, if I get sacked again, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. So I might as well just step up here and and make a throw that you wouldn't really expect him to make. So Jimmy's fourth quarter comeback drive was big and then and Sanders like he he awakened from his two week nap and, and made a huge play. <laughs> yeah. And made Jalen Ramsey look silly. And it wasn't um, his fault. It wasn't his fault though, Chris. Oh no, no to- totally. I mean he's totally in trail coverage. That's just textbook. I saw some meme where it's like this is something like oh, Jalen Ramsey's PlayStation controller broke. Because it just looked like <laughs> he just stood there while Sanders <laughs> blew by him. And then he's just like, oh, oh, actually, I do have some more battery in this controller. Okay, I can go run after him. I'm like, you know that it's not how you're supposed to trail a guy and trail coverage and give me a break, dude. And, and he just throws this guy into the butt. I mean, I mean, that game was a good representation of who he is as a cornerback. Yeah. He's an amazing talent. He can make amazing plays. And he will not take responsibility for when he makes mistakes. And of course, it, it was, I mean, it was maybe... 10% his fault, maybe even less, yeah. but just
2: if it's 1% your fault, don't be throwing other people on the bus. Yeah. You got to at that moment, you got to say, look, I should have, I should have done a better job. Yeah.
3: Or, or just say, you know, we made mistakes or, or we should have covered him better or yeah. we got, we had a young guy out there. He's doing his best. He thought this, right. I need to be in better position too. It's a team game. Right. But that's, that's what a teammate does. And Jalen Ramsey isn't that
2: person. Right. Yeah. Poor Taylor up. He was staring at the sideline. <laughs> But Emmanuel Sanders was running in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah,
3: if he ran that corner, he would have had it though. <laughs> yeah,
2: I don't know where he was looking. He just
3: wasn't looking at anything. Um, Especially when you play the Niners and Shanahan, that I mean, we're not going to the outside, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or it, even if he was supposed to go to the outside, I mean, almost all of Shanahan's routes will allow the you know, wide receivers to, to option it somewhere else, depending on
2: where the coverage is. Right. I was gonna say Emmanuel Sanders is a smart enough guy to know. Oh, that safety's looking over there. I'm going over there. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it didn't, he would have, he would have done it anyway.
3: So yeah. I mean, I mean, Ramsey was like just entirely out of position and maybe he was trying to, to pull something like he did on that interception in, in the, in the first quarter, but there was no one else on that side of the field. I mean, there's no reason for him to be playing the way that he did, that that's not how you play trail coverage. Sorry. Yeah. John, you should know that. And you do know that. So don't.
2: Especially rookies who aren't even playing the right position. I mean, give me a break. Who aren't even supposed to be out
3: there in the first place.
2: Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of uh, bad coverage.
3: (laughs) Segway. Yikes. Yeah, I'm going
2: to go move into my down for the game. I, I don't relish this at all at all, because I've definitely been on the, uh, on the bandwagon for this guy the whole time and, and really want him to be successful, but it's me too. Uh, Ake- a- Kella Witherspoon just really has had a rough uh, last, what, 13 days or so. I, I don't know what was going on. Um, I mean, the past defense overall had a, had a rough game. I mean, Jared Goff, who, what, what did they have? 48 total yards um, on uh, in their first game. Uh, part of that was the defensive line got home. Uh, a lot more than they did on Sunday or on Saturday because they didn't get home at all Zero (laughs) on Saturday on no sacks. And at least their pressure rate was actually really good, which we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, but 323 yards, uh, for Goff, Um, although he had to throw the ball 46 times to get there. So, you know, not so great. Um, he had as many completions as Garoppolo had attempts. So there you go. (laughs) That tells you something. Yeah, so the past defense wasn't great overall, but I, I I think Witherspoon was definitely the weakest link of the group uh, for sure. Um, he uh, finished with the third lowest overall PFF grade on the defense. Um, the other one, I think, was Marcel Harris and Solomon Thomas, if I'm not mistaken, who were behind him. Uh, and so that's no good. Um, 47.7 was his overall defense run defense. 46.8, which was especially important because the Rams were hitting the outside with the running game a lot. Um, at least early in the game. So the fact that he couldn't sort of control the edge as he was supposed to was, was a problem. Uh, tackling was poor. Uh, his coverage was was really shaky at 48.6 grade there. According to PFF, he was only charged with giving up four catches, but it was all four of his targets. Uh, it was only 20 yards, but unfortunately it felt like all of, four of those targets were like important Either they gave a first down or like the first touchdown that he gave up where I don't know what was going on there. They kept showing the replay and it looked like Jimmy Ward knew what he needed to do. And Akella Witherspoon did not react to what was going on. Somebody was confused. So, and I don't know if it was Jimmy Ward or if it was Akella Witherspoon, uh, but Ward seemed to move with a sense of urgency to where he was going, which gives me the impression that he knew what he was doing and Witherspoon didn't. Now, to his great credit, his athleticism allowed him to get close to the ball. He made the play a lot closer than it probably had any business being. Uh, but yeah, he just, he was out of position and, and got beat for it. it. It's a bummer because he started off 2019 really well after um, a rough sophomore season. And he, and he had that injury. He was playing really well. He had the, the foot injury um, and he was actually playing pretty decently for the first couple of weeks when he came back. But these last two weeks, as I mentioned, have just been really, really rough. And while they, he has gotten the vote of confidence since his return as the starter opposite Richard Sherman, I I just don't know that he can continue to play like this and uh, be a liability on that other side of the field. Um, Especially because Emmanuel Mosley didn't end up really playing on, uh, on Saturday. And we know that he's capable of, of of playing well if he needs to. So witherspoon has been given chances. uh, So he's got to be better if he's going to keep getting those chances. So would you switch him If you were solid, (sighs) Um, I, I don't know. Um, because at this point you can't like totally you, what we don't want to do is what happened to him. You know, was I think it was last year, right? What he got when he kept getting benched and then, and then they'd unbench him and then they'd been like that whole back and forth thing that they did with him a couple of years ago was a problem. I didn't like the way that that was handled. Um, well, yeah, I mean, when they, when they bench him against,
3: um, the Packers, that's that single handedly lost in the game. Right. I mean, there's, there's no, no doubt that him not being on the field for that final drive lost them the game. Period.
2: Right. So, I, I mean, I feel like it's his to lose, but he has to feel like Mosley could actually overtake him, which is strange because they didn't actually put that pressure on him because, like I said, Mosley only played one snap on on Saturday. So, um, it's, it's an interesting thing that they're doing. Um I don't think Mosley's been really great either, but they both got torched by Julio Jones last week. Um so it's not like either of them were were like any more culpable than the other of of being poor that week. Um so I don't know that I'd make the immediate change, but I think the leash has got to be a lot shorter, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I thought that Mosley played Jones a lot better than Witherspoon did because
3: he actually tried. <laughs> and a lot of the catches that Jones had, they were because the two of them went up and Jones made a nice play or Jones pushed off, which he was allowed to do all game long. Whereas with Witherspoon, a lot of Jones's catches were Jones caught the ball and he's running down the field and you're like, man, who's covering him? And oh wait, Witherspoon's like five yards behind him. Like, what happened? You know? You know so it, to me, maybe on the stat line, it looks like they were similarly bad against Julio. But I mean, the, the whole defensive scheme was horrible, which, you know, I went over way too much last week. <laughs> and you'd probably be the first one to say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like it, you know, at least with Mosley, you're going to get him to do, you're going to get him to do what you tell him to do. And you're going to get him to, to give you a hundred percent. And with Witherspoon, I'm slowly understanding maybe why they benched him last year. And I heard that it was because of a lack of effort and a lack of toughness and some practice stuff. And I don't know. I mean, it, Some of that might be coming out again, and 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 he's sort of reverting, yeah, like you said, to his uh his form of last year slash his form back in college when he just I did not want to tackle anybody. (laughs) So it's I mean something needs to change on that side of the ball because he's just going to get targeted nonstop like he did last year, you know, and and that didn't work out for him very well. So he's had a very odd career so far, sort of down and up and down and up, and now he's like both. So. Yeah, I'm not sure what you do with him now, and it's sort of hard to switch it at this point and talk to people like Eric Crocker, who, you know, obviously this guy knows cornerbacks. I mean, he loves Witherspoon, so, and he wouldn't, there's no way that he would switch him out. Um, so maybe I'd defer to him <laughs> if I were Sala, and I'd, obviously Crocker would be my TV coach. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a tough decision. Yeah, personally, I'm I'm just sort of sick of it. Sick. Of the, I mean, the, the, the I I cannot stand lack of effort and it, not trying just makes me mad. <laughs> so, so uh, personally, I will just switch it out and, and and see what happens. But this might not be the week to do it just because of the personnel that they're going up against. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you better do it soon.
2: So it's. I mean, it's not gonna happen. So it doesn't really matter. I, I guess it's a mo- moot point. Yeah, I think the big thing is you don't. What you don't want to do is sort of crush him at this point. Cause having everybody feeling good about how they're, what they're doing and, and that you have, you know, sort of faith in, in their abilities uh, going into the playoffs, I think is going to be really important. So yeah. even if, if you make the switch and then Witherspoon takes that as sort of like, well, fine, then what do you do if Mosley goes down or if Sherman goes down or if you need to, or if you, you know, you see new Orleans again and you, you have to have, you know, four, uh cornerbacks on the field or something you know there's 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 problems that you're going to run into that you're going to need all four of your cornerbacks at some point along the way right i mean there's no sir, there's no situation in which the 49ers are going to be, get deep into the playoffs without needing Sherman and Witherspoon and Mosley and Quan Williams out there simultaneously so um i think you got to be careful with that too so yeah yeah I, i'm with you i mean from a psychological standpoint
3: and from a realistic standpoint you, you can't really switch them out. Right. But I wanted to
2: on every play. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I may have you, been yelling yeah. for them to do it, but it's possible. You, pro- you, you probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, what about uh, down for you? I know that there's probably a lot of things we could talk about, but any one particular thing you want to point out? There's a lot of down here for me. I mean, it's, it, I mean,
3: this is a game that they should have won a lot more convincingly. <laughs> and I mean, you can give it down to Garoppolo for starting out the second half, you know with the interception even though i mean it, was, it wasn't as bad as the first i mean still it's like you just you can't do that and and then what they i think they had a grand total of like 23 yards or something like that for the rest of the the quarter and like four total possessions so, i mean it's just they really needed to put something together in the third quarter and they didn't so i mean that's a definitely down i mean i think for me the the biggest down is their Offensive line and their defensive line against the pass. Because the offensive line and defensive line was okay. Well, Their D line was good against the run. Their O line was pretty good, and their running backs were good as runners. But offensive line in pass protection was bad. And giving up six sacks, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like I said before, Grappolo is responsible for some of that. But then also, Grappolo doesn't want to fumble the ball because he was fumbling so much earlier in the season. So I know that that's a point of emphasis. You can tell because he's th- just the way that he handles himself in those situations is different. So he is not going to fumble the ball. So he, when he is not sure that his offensive line is going to block for him and that there isn't somebody who's just going to just crush him out of nowhere, he's going to hold on to the ball too long. And he's, you know, he's not going to, put himself into a dangerous situation where he's going to turn the ball over because he's he, he's turning the ball over enough when he's thrown to his receivers and they're knocking the ball up in the air. He doesn't want to be fumbling too. So it's sort of a, a vicious circle there where if you just block and you continue to block for him, then he's just going to be great for you. If you don't, I mean, he's obviously not the most mobile quarterback. I mean, he works the pocket, I, I say very well for a quarterback, not necessarily of his age, but of his NFL experience. So and he's actually actually uh, you know run the ball and escape pressure a little bit more than he has in previous seasons this year so a little impressed by that but if you want him to be a pocket passer which Shanahan sometimes does and sometimes doesn't sometimes he wants to roll him out sometimes he wants to have him have him sit there in the in the pocket and, and throw passes uh, from what he hopes is a clean pocket then you're going to need to block for him better and. I don't know if their
2: new right guard is going to be their new right guard because <laughs> it, it's looking like it. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, I think that's the the news is that Mike Person is probably not going to be ready to go for Sunday, but it's it could yeah, still happen as far as
3: throughout the rest of the the extensive playoffs that will go into February. Yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is there, and once Person is healthy sort of wondering why they don't move him over to center since he's played center before if we can find a viable option at right guard since our center's not really good at at too much at all and not even snapping the ball (laughs) obviously at this point of the season you don't really want to be changing a lot of things you want to have the same five guys be playing there consistently every game and unfortunately the world doesn't work that way (laughs) i guess except for the niners for most of of the year last year but it didn't work out for them overall very well. So, yeah, I mean, you don't really want to be switching things around too much, but some of these bad snaps and some of the you know, the mistakes at the center position and then some of the the problems with the opposite line blocking, especially... I mean, you're going to have some problems blocking in the run game, but... Blocking in the pass game, you just can't get your quarterback killed because Grandpa goes down and our season is over. I mean that's just the way that it is, you know. Uh, so you have to protect your quarterback. You can't let him get sacked six times, even if some of them are him holding onto the ball too long. It's because he's holding on the ball too long because he doesn't want to do something stupid. So that needs to improve. And and then the defensive line against the pass, like where where is our defensive line? I mean, I know D Ford's good, but he's not our only defensive lineman who can force pressure. on, And like you said, I mean, they, they did pressure golf, but they didn't get to him and opposing offenses are really focusing on Bosa and they're able to, when the end on the other end of the line on third and long is Solomon Thomas. They need somebody on that side who is a little bit more of a threat. And until they find that person, it's going to be Bosa beating double teams, and then otherwise, it's going to, you know we have to be relying on our interior defensive linemen to pressure the quarterback and and, and sack the quarterback because you know quarterback sacks are very important. They put you um, behind and down the distance, and it's something that we're definitely going to need to do against Russell Wilson this upcoming week. So that's something that needs to be fixed. So the whole. You know like we did a little bit with Wilson and then you know, with Murray you know, the whole like sort of sort of rush don't rush contain type thing I mean I, I'm not I'm not buying that like we need to go after the quarterback and sack him and that's just the way that it has to be and Sounds good. you're gonna yeah yeah I mean like you think that's it's a simple thing right but <laughs> yeah but I, I understand a little bit with Murray yeah you don't want to you know run running around and and uh, you don't really want to spy him and waste another defender on him but you know the whole half rushing stuff. I mean, that's just got to stop. I just go after him. And and some of these plays where golf was outrunning our defensive ends it was driving me crazy. I yeah, like, he's not fast. No. Like, what is going on here? If, if our defensive end can't catch him, then we need a defensive end in there that, that's faster. <laughs> you yeah. Know? So yeah. So for me, it was mostly just the offensive line, you know,
2: protecting Grappolo and the defensive line,
3: not getting to golf.
2: Yeah. For sure. I mean the good news is is that uh Aaron Donald and Grady Jarrett are not gonna be on on the teams that were playing for the rest of the year. That's um, good thing. <laughs> As they are both staying at home. Um, but yeah, the, the the interior pressure is a is a real problem and it's something they're gonna need to get sorted out because it looked like uh, for the most part that that Staley and McGlinchey did were in, you know, they did, de- they had, they had decent games. Uh, there was just so, I mean, even on the, even on the two third long third and 16 plays that they converted, I mean, by the time Garoppolo, I mean, as wide open as Manuel Sanders was by the time he got, was able to throw that ball because the play was so uh, long in development, there was, he was, there were players right on him. And in fact, his arm got hit. I'm, I think, um, and there was some concern that he might've underthrown the ball. Um, I mean, he did under throw the ball a little bit, but that he, I think I, I saw that he said that he thought it was going to get intercepted cause he got hit in the arm and he didn't get enough on it, but it ended up working out. So there we go. Yeah. And
3: I, one other thing with the offensive line that I did not like in any capacity is on these key third downs, having Kittle in blocking. Yeah. Do not do it's, that. It's unfortunate. Stop, stop it. Yep. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's bring not, in someone else. You, you, you must have, bring in another, you know, tackle. Yeah. The- Kittle needs to be running routes on key third downs, period. For sure. I mean, if yeah. you want to do it like once, like a season or something like that, that's fine. But, I mean, he was in there for like a handful of plays, and like key plays, and I'm like, you can't, yeah, you're a good blocker, but actually, he, I don't think he's been graded out very well as a pass blocker. No, he usually uh, doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For some reason. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure why, but... Um, yeah, I mean, just you can't just stop that. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. we, we have enough tight ends in this team. But like fifteen tight ends, and like well, none of know, them get blocked. <laughs> uh, <no>, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but hey, we got we got our, our man uh, eighty three who Le Toy Lolo yeah, who had like. Those two or three downs when he actually blocked, yeah, when he was sure. playing for the Falcons. So you know, throw him out there, but Kittle needs to run patterns. Yeah, like that, that shouldn't be. Okay, so that, that's the last thing I said. Well, about
2: I mean, that. we have the res, we have the, uh, the up and coming tight end star Ross Dwelly to,
3: to catch <laughs> the ball for it. We're good. To, to so. guess what? Yeah, one 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 play per game and get hey, killed. Man. Hey. <laughs> If it's I, he, one big one, it's fine for me. It was, for, it was beautiful, man. And he got up so quick. Like, give, give me did. some more. Yeah. He's like, Eric Weddle, what? You're like 50 years old. Give, give yeah.
2: back and up. he was crying inside. He's <laughs> he looking pretty tough on the outside. That's yeah, all that matters. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and turn our attention then to the final regular season game of the season. Kind of crazy that it's already the final regular season game of the season. Uh, it is Sunday Night Football. This is for like not all the marbles but most of the marbles uh, <laughs> NFC West Championship and the number one seed in the NF- in the NFC um, is on the line in Seattle uh, where the 49ers have not won since 2011 which by the way was a really long time ago um, <laughs> we're, we're, we're moving in on a decade here friends since uh, the 49ers have won in Seattle they've had some games where they've kept where they've almost won uh, and they've had some games, they've had some games <laughs> where they have been not even close. Um, but uh, Chris, for you, what is the, the main key that the 49ers need to, to sort of solve the thing that they need to do in order to get that first victory in Seattle since 2011? So I f- figured it out. All the
3: 49ers need to do to win on Sunday is to play this game on paper Oh. and not at CenturyLink. Okay. <laughs> Cause on paper, this is an easy win for the Niners. Sure. The 49ers are, Indeed, winless in the last eight attempts in Seattle, and they have one win in 11 away games over the past decade. Not good. Nope. However, this year, although they lost the Seahawks back, I think, a week 10, I mean, they're the better football team between the two. They just needed to actually demonstrate that on the field against the Seahawks in Seattle. (laughs) So they just need to do it against the team that they needed to do it against. For, as you said, most of the marbles. (laughs) So it's definitely easier said than done. So, you know, back in week, it was week week 10, I believe, that they played the the Seahawks. We talked, or or I talked, because you hate math, about the Pythagorean win expectation, Mm -hmm. you know, which for anyone who is silly enough not to listen to episode uh, number 10, -uh. it's essentially the number of victories a team should have based on the difference between the points they score and the points that they allow. So it's one of the better indicators of wins, if not the best indicator of wins, as far as simple, except, simple except for the wins. actual wins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that would be the best indicator of wins is the is, is the win number. <laughs> Darn it. And number two, yep. maybe is Pythagorean win expedition. <laughs> so back week ten, calculated that Seattle was essentially a nine and seven team over sixteen games, obviously, uh, based on their point drum differential at the time and that they were far exceeding their point-based uh, expectations. Well, <laughs> over the next six games, seven weeks, six games, and bye, the Seahawks have allowed more points than they've scored, <laughs> yet they've won four out of the six games. It's gotten even worse. It's gotten even crazier. It's, and I, I think I said at the time, it's like, this can't last. It, it just it can't. It, it just won't. You know? it's, you're going to regress to the mean. It's, just, it's going to happen. And they've done the opposite so far. So they're still going to regress to the mean, and it's going to happen this Eventually. week. Eventually, yeah. This week, <laughs> this, this is it right for, here. for, for most of the Marvels. <laughs> so, you know, they now have eleven wins somehow, <laughs> and they've scored a grand total of twelve more points than they've allowed this season. I was like, I was like, How what?
2: How's that even possible? What?
3: <laughs> so meanwhile, the Four Nines have one point like, per game. <laughs> the Four Nines have twelve wins, and their point differential is one sixty four. <laughs> So they, they rank first in the NFC in points scored, and they're 10 points away from being first in points allowed. And they're facing a Seahawks team with a Pythagorean win expectation of 8-8, eight and eight, which ranks ninth out of 16 teams in the NFC. And their point differential is worse than every other team in the NFC with a winning record, and two additional teams with losing records. I mean, it's crazy. That's, that's incredible. Yeah. So the main key is to play like the better team that they are. The 49ers need to play a complete game on both sides of the ball, no more offensive line problems, protect Jimmy, And no more defensive letdowns in the passing game, Witherspoon come to the field to play, and Salah, no more big defensive fronts, because the Seahawks have no running backs. <laughs> you think i mean they, they really have no running backs they're bringing in guys who haven't played since last october like two of them yes yeah so so, so no more div- big defensive fronts attack the quarterback if you can do these things and you can stop russell wilson and the 49ers offensive line can protect jimmy the 49ers will win this game period
2: yeah i mean i'm, I'm, I'm definitely right there with you um that, that was my thought too, was basically focused on Russell Wilson. He is, li- he is quite literally the only thing they have left going for them. I mean, sure. I mean, there, there are other things like Bobby Wagner is pretty good on defense, but their defense is, is, uh, is, is down a couple of players too. I think, uh, Shaquem Griffin, Griffin, is he the cornerback one? I, f- I always forget which one is which, um, He's potentially not going to play. Yeah, um, I think
3: he, I think they're saying he might be back this week. Yeah,
2: uh, but he'll certainly be hobbled. Jadavian Clowney didn't play last week, and he is sort of. I mean, Pete Carroll seemed to think that he's supposed to, that he's going to play on Sunday again. Uh, you never know. I mean, you know, if he didn't play last week, and there's a sort of question coming into the game, there's certainly going to be a. Uh, tech potential lingering problems. Yeah, and and um, I, I found that general
3: policy with P Carroll talking to the media is don't believe anything that he's ever says because he'll just say anything. And
2: well, and, he also thinks that, 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 Marshawn Lynch is the answer to their team's victory. Um, <laughs> but, but by the way, which, when you
3: said Bobby Wagner, I thought you were going to say yeah. bubble water. I really did. Which would have been yeah, much bubble better. water.
2: <laughs> that is it. That's it. Yeah, bubble water. Um, so those names that you're referring to, uh, Marshawn Lynch has officially been signed uh, for the rest of the regular season, which is one game, by the way, and the playoffs, which may also be one game, depending on how this goes for them. Um, so maybe a two-game contract for him. Who knows? Uh, Robert Turbin is back. Who? I mean, I remember that he played for them. That's that's the best <laughs> I got. Um, and then you, you've, you've noted here that their third running back is Travis Homer, who I don't even he know. Who that is he um, a sixth
3: rounder? I think. Okay. Oh, cool. He's, he's a, a rookie who do, doesn't ever play because they have three running backs who
2: are right. supposed to be playing ahead of him, who are all out for the year. Right. Uh, Dwayne Brown also out. He's their left tackle. He's uh, done for the year as well. Um, which means that uh, that Nick Bosa should be lined up exclusively on the left tackle side to just wreak havoc on whoever it is that's, that they've got lined up over there. But it's really all about what they can do to stop Wilson. Um, the Cardinals figured something out. I don't know what it was. Um, they sacked him five times in their win on Sunday. Um, and the Cardinals are not really a great uh defensive team chandler jones is a very good defensive player and had four of those five sacks um, yeah and he he went right after the the new left tackle yeah so it's going to be basically Bosa needs to chandler jones them and that's really the answer to this to the question um, <laughs> they also had him in the rushing game he had uh, two rushing yards on two carries and he had a long of six which means that his other carry lost yards so there we go we mentioned that the pressure numbers were pretty good on Saturday against the Rams. Uh, they had pressures on twenty-five of 46, 47 dropbacks. They just didn't get the sacks, which was kind of the difference in the game uh, in terms of keeping that game close. Because in the first game against the Rams, they just they could not stop sacking Jared Goff. Um, <laughs> and this this week they they couldn't get there. Um, so it's going to be really important for them to take advantage of of the holes that the Seahawks Seahawks have on offense and make Wilson's life difficult. And I think for me, a big, and this is going to sound like a really sort of strange and counterintuitive, but a big part of containing Wilson is going to be doing what the Cardinals did, which was getting up big as quickly as you possibly can. The Cardinals were winning the game 17, seven at halftime. And then within a few minutes of the third quarter, it was 20 to seven. And the Seahawks were forced to throw the ball a lot more than they're comfortable. Um, I think probably losing their running box probably had a lot to do with that as well. Um, but forcing, uh, Wilson into situations where he has to be dropping back and, uh, and, uh, hopefully the coverage will hold up and the defensive line can get home. And if they can get ahead in the game script, something they were not able to do in the first matchup against the Seahawks, I think it's going to be, uh, that's going to be the major key for me for, uh, this game. Otherwise it could be a, uh, a game that looks very similar to the, the earlier game that they played this season any other thoughts there yeah I just don't like playing them <laughs> oh I, I totally agree i am really sick and I'm, I'm i'm ready for for russell wilson to be done forever <laughs> that's all i gotta say i mean why not retire right you got your, you got your ring Go on <laughs> yeah he's you're, you're you're old you're you're you got lots of money your wife is probably richer than you i mean who cares at this point um yeah Go, go enjoy your life, Russell Wilson. You don't need to be molesting us anymore. But uh, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and move into the predictions, and then we'll wrap things up. I, I think, obviously, we need to pick a, a close game for this week, because then it'll be a blowout, right? I think that's how this works. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's how we're doing this, right? We pick close games, and it's a blowout. We pick blowouts, and it's a close game, whatever. Or a loss, um, yeah, yeah, so yeah. definitely close yeah, game. Or a loss, which is worse. Honestly... I don't think the game looks a whole lot different than it did in November. Uh, A lot of the 49ers injuries had already happened. At least the major one minus Western Richburg had already taken place prior to uh, that game against the Seahawks um, the first time around. But there's a couple of really important uh, things to keep in mind that you need to know in order to understand how this game is going to be different. And that is the fact that... If you recall, George Kittle did not play in the first game because he was injured. I unfortunately do. Um, yeah. And I think Emmanuel Sanders had been on the team for like two days at that point. Is that is that about right? Yeah, got hurt in that is game. He would just gotten there, or maybe he hadn't been there very long. Um, at that point, I think he yeah I remember he only caught a
3: couple of balls. Yeah, it was
2: two for twenty four in that in that game. He was targeted that four was like times. The, the,
3: I think it was like the Debo
2: game, right? Yeah, that was yeah. Debo had eight for one twelve in that game, so he he played really well. Um, but I think Kittle is the big thing. That's the difference maker. It was the difference between the three points that separated the teams the first time around. I think if you add Kittle to that game, a healthy Kittle to the first Monday night game, the 49ers find a way to get that victory. And so I think George Kittle will end up being the difference between those points. So I'm going to even go even further. I'm going to say the difference is a George Kittle touchdown. And that's the difference in the game. So I'm going 27, 20, 49ers, division champs, number one seed. Let's go. I like all of it. It's good stuff. <laughs> but by the way, have you seen the line on this game? Uh Yeah. 49ers by three is what I saw today. Wait, were you surprised by that? A little bit. Yeah. Because essentially, if you think about that, that's almost like a 49ers by six, if it were a home game kind of thing. So yeah, because I think the Seahawks do get something like three points. Yeah. You know, for home advantage. For sure. Because
3: uh it is a, a rather difficult place to play, I've heard. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we will hear about that many times during For the, rest of the week. game and yeah, yeah and uh, throughout the game. Now, the Seahawks have not been quite as good at home this year compared to past seasons. I believe they've lost three of their four games at home.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, they have a better road record than they do at home. Yeah, so I think that they're 4-3 at home, and, and Niners are actually better away. I think they're 6-1 away. Yep. So um, I'm not sure if that has anything to do with it or not. But, yeah, I, w- I was a little bit surprised. I mean, I thought it would be sort of, yeah, like a pick kind of game. Yeah, for sure. Just because, I mean, Seattle looked horrible last week. They got trounced by a, a four-win Cardinals team. It was like 27-13. Tw- like to 13. And it should have been 30-10, to 10 if not for like a block field goal. And the Falcons lost. Or the Falcons. <laughs> I'm still having <laughs> uh, you know, nightmares about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> the, uh, the Cardinals, which I could have had a couple of nightmares about them, but some of them we pulled, pulled those off. Mm-hmm. They were playing their backup quarterback for... Know, a significant part of the game. Who was? Who was? By the way, not very good. <laughs> I don't know if the Seahawks just weren't up for the game because it didn't matter that much to them in in the grand scheme. Yeah, I guess so. That's the only thing I can think. Or of. They're, if they're just playing the way that they should be playing, given given the <laughs> they're finally coming they there Scored and allowed this year, so maybe they started playing like the team that they really are. But, uh, yeah, so the 49ers are three-point favorites, and the over-under is 47. So Vegas is expecting a unlikely score of 25 to 22. It's my favorite score. Correct. Yep. And, uh, it's not going to be 25 to 22, I don't think.
2: <laughs> it's unlikely.
3: But I do believe the 49ers are going to win this game. So I'm going to go with a 27 to 23 victory for the 49ers because I just can't imagine them, the Niners going in and winning by a touchdown <laughs> just picturing them ending the game up by 7 points over the Seahawks in in Seattle, I don't know. I know. Yeah. I mean it takes me all the way back to like 2008 or whatever. I yeah. might have a collective heart attack
2: <laughs> as a fan base. Like yeah. what do we just do?
3: <laughs> yeah. When was the last time they beat the Seahawks by over three points? I think it was only like two thousand eight or something. I mean, it's it's been it's way, like way, way way back in the day, so it's definitely been been a long time.
2: Yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time.
3: Yeah, I think I think it was like their not not the last last victory because that was in in Seattle that was uh, what, like a three point victory, but I think it was the one before that, so it might have been two thousand eight. So it's you know, like over a decade. So we have a Seattle team. They've lost all three of the running backs. They have two running backs who are, you know, A, one of them just sort of stopped playing halfway through last year because he's old. And, I mean, he's actually one of the, the few Seahawks that I don't mind in, in, in beast mode. Uh, and then they have Turbin, who also played very, very little last year. He played for Indianapolis so and had like a handful of, of plays over the course of like the first month or two. So I think neither of the players have played since October of last year. And they have Travis Homer, six rounder. I assume he's playing on special teams. So he has 52 combined rushing yards, meaning the their entire backfield has 52 combined rushing yards in 2019. So they should be able to focus on attacking Russell Wilson. Seahawks are a team that want to run the ball, and we know this because they don't understand analytics and they think running is good, and it's not. But they still do it anyway. And it's sort of been working for them, even though it sort of hasn't but it has resulted in victories even though it shouldn't have resulted in as many victories but that doesn't make it a good idea they want to run and they can't because they don't have any running backs and you can hand off to marshawn lynch all you want but i can't imagine that he is going to be the running back that he was you know back in the pro bowl whenever he made it like
2: five years ago or whatever half a decade ago yeah it's been half a decade since he was a seahawk by the way everybody just to remember that he's definitely a lot of fun
3: um, especially if you're a Seahawks fan, but I wouldn't be expecting some type of grand return, anything like he he was when he was last in, in Seahawks uniform. So, for sure. Sala, yeah, none, none of this whole like spy stuff. 49ers, pin your ears back, go after Wilson. And if they do that, they're going to secure that number one seed NFC and the NFC playoffs will run through Levi's Stadium and I will
2: be happy. So, that's all I'm asking. Yeah, I agree. All right, so just as we close, the last time the 49ers won a game in Seattle by more than three points, 24-14, the 6-8 49ers beat the 8-6 Seahawks. The 6-8 49ers coached by Mike Nolan beat the 8-6 Seattle Seahawks coached by Mike Holgrim, Holmgren Thursday, December fourteenth, two 2006. Oh, I missed it, a year or two. The 49ers won the game by way of 33 rushing attempts for 228 yards uh they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter um to win the game uh <laughs> touchdowns by vernon davis and frank gore uh from alex smith and alex smith uh with the capper touchdown uh 18 yard rush uh to win the game in seattle at quest field which that tells you everything you need to know right there. there uh, is that the game that started late because the field was
3: flooded or was that the last time it, it might be they started at 8.13. Yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know it, that game so specifically. So. That, that, that might have helped the Niners in, in some capacity. But, oh man, I was off by a couple of years. And Good try. Good try. Nolan, I assume, was wearing a suit, though,
2: even in the ring. The For rain. sure, of course. So of not course, only did not? we win, but we were better looking. We're doing it. So. Obviously. And still are to this day. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to the Niner Noise Podcast, uh, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform Google Play, Apple uh, and all those other fun places. And if you would leave us a nice review and share the podcast with your 49er fan friends, uh, we do want to wish you uh, happy holidays. You'll probably be listening to this after, uh, Christmas and all those and in that as well, but, uh, happy holidays and, uh, happy new year as well. Cause probably by the next time we, uh, talk to you, it will be 2020. Um, but we will see you next week and next year. Niner fans have a good one.